The views and opinions expressed during this show do not necessarily reflect the, the policy, policy or position of any affiliated workplace or employer. The views and opinions of the show do not constitute recommendations for therapy. Please, Please contact, contact a licensed SLP for individual consult on your situation. Please listen carefully. What is communication? An essential behavior of life. We have the both blessing and responsibility of trying to foster another. It's transmitting a thought from one person to another. It's the strongest way for two people to convey information to each other. The back and forth between two people. Communication is a lifeline. It's just connection with other people. Connecting people in terms of ideas or thoughts or needs. Draws us out of ourselves, draws us into that relationship, you know, builds up our families. Without it, we'd be lost. Whatever it is that we do to express intent and achieve an impact. Communication is the ability to express your needs, wants, frustrations, and desires to anyone that you feel needs to have that information. Welcome to Speech Science, episode number 148. I'm Matt Hott, a speech and language pathologist working in the schools and in home health care with adults, joined by the executive functioning guru, Michael McLeod. What's up, buddy? And the early intervention expert, Michelle Wintering. Hi, Matt. You guys like how I just give you guys you extraordinary give us fancy titles. titles. I know. I'm yeah, just man. a speech path. You guys are awesome. No, I'm so glad Matt to be back on air with you guys. Things. Oh man, you are you're the guru of podcasts. Ooh, I try. Sure. I try. You know Matt what I mean? Was podcasting before it was cool. On today's episode, we are going to talk about biasness, biases, biases. Uh, we also check in with the informed SLP who asks, how early is too early? Talking about communication problems, uh, reducing the risk of communication problems in the NICU. And we also check in with you. Head over to our website, speechsciencepodcast.com. And you can email us speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com or give us a phone call 614-681-1798. And if you're one of the crazies that downloaded our episode, uh, it was the it's the quickest we've ever gotten to almost 1,200 downloads in less than 24 hours for last week's episode. We say thank you because that is awesome. You guys have missed the show as much as we have. Uh, Michelle, you and I got to chit chat a little bit last week. So Mike, you get to start us off. Where have you been the last six months uh, since we weren't doing shows because evidently, you know, pandemic and new children in the world. How have you been, man? I have been right here, man. I've been right here waiting for you guys saying, where the hell is Matt? Where the hell is Michelle? I'm ready to do this podcast. So what new things are happening in your clinic? What I, I saw last <laughs> week, you were doing a presentation somewhere. Are yeah, you taking yeah. over the Philadelphia area? Been doing lots of presentations. I've been doing lots of school trainings, parent trainings at, at a bunch of different schools in the area, which has been great. It's been a good, uh, good great experience. I have a lot more coming up as well. So that's going to be, uh, it's going to be a wild November, definitely. Uh, and yeah, we just moved October 1st, just moved into a brand new clinic. So we used to be in a shared space with an OT and a PT. Now we're in our own space and it's freaking awesome. It's huge. We, we furnished it with the coolest stuff. It's probably the most fun speech clinic in the entire world. Now, is that uh, the one you were, 
I, I think you were talking about that way back in April or May. Is that the the same move that you were planning back then, or was this a, uh, a probably new move? probably we were probably because the old we definitely grew out of the old space, uh, but this new space because when we shared space with the OT and the PT, uh, they they work with a lot of younger kids. And we work, we work with a lot of middle school, high school, college kids. And sometimes they would come and they would get a little upset that they were like little kids running around and it would make them feel bad about themselves, whatever. Uh, and they get very self-conscious. Uh, but now it's like a really like great place for teens and young adults. And uh, there's a lot of like sporting equipment in there. There's like a, like a, like a golfing net to like play golf indoors. Wow. There's like a, like the thing from David Buster's to like, like a pop shot basketball to play, play against someone and it keeps score. Uh, got a Nintendo GameCube in there. <laughs> it's That's awesome. awesome, dude. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And Michelle, how has your last week been? Well, oh, you know, just, um, enjoying central Texas. Um, I think Mike <laughs> knows, but I, I moved again because I just move every year, apparently. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, we'll actually be in central Texas for a few years. So anyone listening, if you're in central Texas, shoot us a text, let me know. Michelle needs friends. <laughs> exactly. Oh, <yeah. laughs> but no, I'm, I'm doing well, just uh, exploring here and enjoying the slightly ever so slightly cooler temperatures that have happened this past week. That's not, so what you, you were in Texas previously, right? But far West Texas. I was going to say, is there, are you in the same like weather band that you were before or no, I was in high desert before. So it was dry, but crazy hot, more like Arizona, um, New Mexico type weather. Mm-hmm. And here is, um, more humid, hot weather. Very nice. <laughs> Yuck. Yeah. I will take my Ohio <laughs> weather all the time. I miss my four seasons. Fair enough. Um, for me, nothing has super exciting has happened, but I showed this to Michael while we were waiting for you to log in, Michelle. My $400 robot that I ordered came in. What? <laughs> it is the size of a small child and it is sitting it, in my chair. It really is the size of a small child. <laughs> and he glows. That's an it, X-Men Sentinel. Matt does got it. Weigh Matt, as much Matt as bought it for $5,000. Um, it weighs probably about 10, 12 pounds. Okay. Okay. So smaller than your daughter. Yes. Uh, he is taller than my daughter, but weighs less than she does. Says um, he does not eat, and my daughter does eat, so she <laughs> should weigh a whole lot more. But he loves it just as well, much. Well, and she just turned a year <laughs> old, true. right? She did. She turned a year old last month. Um, she's going as Tinkerbell this weekend. Oh, I meant to ask you guys that. Or so this will air the day after Halloween. My kids are going as the Peter Pan costumes. My oldest is Hook. Middle kid is Peter. And Evelyn is Tinkerbell. What are your kids doing for Halloween? (laughs) So about a month ago, a friend of mine asked, what is James dressing up as my three-year-old for Halloween? And so I asked him and I had to kind of remind him what Halloween was because as a two-year-old was probably the first time he really remembered putting on a costume or anything. And he was an astronaut last year. And so I told him, you know, you can be an animal, you can be a 
um, a person, you can dress up in one of your costumes at home, a cape. And he goes, ah, uh, he thinks real hard. And he goes, ah, uh, how about an earth? <laughs> so, so my three-year-old is going to be the earth the oh, world I like the it. globe my gosh and his baby sister is going to be the sun that is amazing <laughs> yep so there you go that's that's what we're doing mike what is your theme costumes i am not doing any costumes i am anti-halloween are you really for real yes absolutely why i just i i just don't like it i don't okay no I, I'm, I'm not i'm not judging i'm just asking uh, you know it was fun in college and everything but the whole trick-or-treating and the costumes and the, a whole ho- a whole holiday based on horror and scaring and the people put down gravestones on their I, I i i'm not it's not my thing i like the um fall or the cute the scariest to me scariest is just like a, a skeleton a, a well-placed skeleton is good but other than that i'm just like it doesn't need to be scary exactly <laughs> like like enough with the like people like put like skeletons giant... don't need to be scary my son's taken to calling them skellies and he thinks they're hilarious so <laughs> so i did see i did see one hilarious gravestone on someone's front lawn um, and the and the gravestone said I did my own research. <laughs> That's funny. So my I question appreciate is, though, seeing the skellies sitting on like a swing, a porch swing, just a random spot doing yeah, some random activity. Yeah, I appreciate but, that. But the rest is like, come on, like I'm not. It's not my thing. So if when your kiddo gets older and if they say, "Hey, will you take me trick or treating?" Are you gonna say no or will you say yes? No, I'll do it reluctantly. Okay, okay, okay. Just asking. We'll see. It's not really. I know we brought this up before around Halloween time, but um, I had the experience again talking to neighbors here because neighbors here are all up in arms because the city I live in wants to do trick or treat not on Halloween. Oh, a beggar's night. Yes. Okay. No one else, Matt, calls it beggar's night. That's apparently just Ohio. Did you know this? Uh, maybe because we talked about it before, maybe, but all I know is I just want someone listening to write in and tell me if you don't live outside of Ohio and you've ever called it beggars night, because or if they do up- in, in New Jersey, it's mischief night. Mischief Ooh. night. I like that. Um, mischief but I mean, I grew up in central Ohio and it was never, almost never on Halloween unless it happened to fall. It was usually on a Thursday because they avoided football games. They avoided Sunday nights. They avoided, I mean, it was just interesting and often not on actual Halloween yeah, and they and called so- it beggars night. And so when I moved out of Ohio and I said, Hey, when is beggars night? Everybody looked at me like I was nuts. And, uh, and then said, I said, well, trick or treat. When does everybody go trick or treating? And they said, Halloween, like you always do. <laughs> That's like, yeah, we always did it Christmas. on Halloween, but we still called it beggars night. Yeah. So there you go. But you called it that term. True. Speech science podcast at gmail.com for that, I guess. Why not? I like it. I don't know. I'd be interested to hear, even if they're from Ohio and do it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yours was mischief night, Mike. Correct. Ooh, do you know in Iowa, a friend from Iowa told me they would tell jokes. So kids like work on memorizing a knock knock joke or something. For so what? Knock on the door. They oh. have to tell a joke and then they get the piece of candy. Nope. Just give me my candy. I don't need to tell you a joke and dance for you on your 
porch. What do you what do you guys call it? What's it called? M Mischief night, and then what's the other one? Uh, Beggar's, Beggar's night. night. I'm gonna look this up right now to see what people call it. Uh, Mischief night. There's Tic Tac night, Corn night, Mickey night. Mickey night. So, there's a lot of nights. I like it. What do you do? Speech Science Podcast at gmail.com or 614. What is our phone number? 614-681-17. There's probably like 600 eight. voicemails. That No, I get the voicemails. There's nothing. We get uh, the, actually the last couple of voicemails that we have gotten have been about asking us if we want to sign up for Medicaid and if we would like to switch our electric provider. Oh, that's so nice of them. That is very nice of them. Ever see uh you ever see that movie The Cable Guy? Yes. You know when uh when Ferris Bueller goes back to his uh his apartment and then like Jim Carrey left him like 15 voicemails yep. and like <laughs> yeah. it's it's like that. That's how our voicemail is. But we want <laughs> yeah. your voicemail and we'll play it live on air. Hey guys, so I'm going to do some shameless promotions right now. Please do. So tomorrow or today, depending on when you listen to this, on November 2nd, the book I co-authored comes out on Amazon. This is not shameless. This is perfect, Matt. Becoming, an, so ex cool. becoming an exceptional SLP leader. It's book three in Mei Ling's uh, trilogy of books, but I am in it as well as Rachel Madel from Talking With Tech, Eric Raj, uh, who else is in this? John Gomez, uh, Kathy Hoffman, Barbara Fernandez. So a whole list of awesome people. The link's going to be down below, but we've got a job for the thousand listeners of Speech Science. On November 2nd, you can download a free copy of the book and you have a chance to win a hardback version of it. So on November 2nd, go onto the link in the show notes download it and uh, if you enjoy the book give a five-star review um and at the end of the day on tuesday november 2nd 2021 um there will be five hardback copies or softback copies uh given away that day that's awesome so, Matt. i'm proud why of don't you give us like a sneak preview like read like a few sentences uh, of your my chapter is called can't fail and i guess i can because it's my own story uh, and I said, the biggest challenge in the creation of the Speech Science Podcast was me, besides being my own biggest critic and enemy to the creative process, I came from a radio, TV, and theater background where there is always a fine line of how information and art are consumed. So. Do you, do you mention us? No, because it was all about how hard it was. Like, <laughs> What the hell, man? I, I, don't, I barely even mentioned Ivan and Chandra. I just had to mention Lucas because it was like how the show was started. Oh, wait, no, wait. I do mention Michelle. Oh, thanks. Because she was at the bar when Lucas and I decided to start the show. And then you pulled me into it a couple years later. <laughs> Did I put you in here, Mike? Definitely not. I. Ouch. <laughs> Sorry. Nope, but Michelle, you have a name drop. Thanks. I feel important. <laughs> Read the sentence with Michelle in it. Uh, hang on, I'm trying to make sure I... Oh, Mike, now I feel like a jerk. Aww. You probably mentioned that Sentinel toy before you mentioned me. <laughs> um, I mean, Michelle, literally, Michelle, Mike, don't feel bad. Michelle's mentioned because I say, uh, 
I met him in a hotel bar for drinks with his wife and my friend, Michelle, who would become a future host. Wow. And that then sounded, that's that it. That sounded like it was out of an erotica novel. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Hey, also I have signed copies that I can sell. So email speech science podcast. You signed email. it? You're signing uh, it? Yeah. So evidently the going rate for a, so this is the pricing structure because I've never been a co-author on a book. On November 2nd, it's a free copy, digital. Uh, then after that, I believe it's $15 from Amazon. Or if you want it signed, it's $20 because I have to order it off of Amazon and then have it shipped to my house and then I have to ship it to their house. Oh. So realistically, you're just paying for me to ship it to my house and then me ship it to your house. We should have. And a signature. But you know what? We can give one away too. I gave away those target cards over the summer. Yeah. Pretty cool, man. So seriously, Matt, I'm proud of you. That's all. Thank you. Thank you. Couldn't have done it without any of you guys, even if I didn't mention you. Now I feel jerkish. You should. Mike. I just got a shout out about a hotel meetup. Yeah, that was. Yeah, Mike, did you? uh, Yeah, I could add you in there. Mike was thought about while we were at the hotel bar. Now I'm going to feel bad. No, I don't feel bad. Hey, uh, Mike, we need to touch on the email you got oh yes from the slp in cincinnati what was that again i don't even remember about executive executive functioning school slp who wrote in jen heitkemper to my email you sent it to us dude i'm looking it up right now oh yeah this may be something we talk about next week um I listened to the speech science episode three times, and I am so fascinated by the information you presented, especially internal language. Look at that. Thanks, Jen. Thanks for writing in, too, because we love hearing from people. I'm going to write back to Jen right now. And During based, the podcast? Well, yep. and, while, and while Mike <laughs> is doing that, you can write in your questions, because next week I thought it would be a perfect time that we can dive back in to some of the other questions that we've got about executive functioning. So speech science podcast at gmail.com, AKA Mike, that gives you a week to put together another presentation. Oh shit. Right. (laughs) Hey, coming back from the break, we're going to talk about bias and why is it important to recognize your bias? You're listening to speech science. And now for our regular research review, brought to you by the Informed SLP. The Informed SLP releases a monthly newsletter that brings you plain language reviews of only the newest, most clinically applicable research, keeping you up to date on advances in the field and saving you tons of time. So let's get to it. How early is too early? This is a review of the article, The Preterm Infant Parent Program for Attachment, PIPA Study, a Randomized Controlled Trial, published in Pediatric Research. A great part of working as a NICU SLP is working directly with the parents, showing them how to take care of their new addition and reducing their fear around having a medically fragile child. 
Now, what if I told you you could do all of that and help parents improve their child's communication skills down the line? In this study, Toeg et al. studied the preterm infant parent program for attachment, or PIPA. They looked at two potential outcomes maternal sensitivity during play, and infant social emotional development. Parents were randomly assigned to either one, the standard care group, or two, the intervention group, who received both standard care and PIPA. PIPA consisted of three sessions. One, an interview with one of the baby's parents using questions from the working model of the child interview about the pregnancy and birth, their sense of their baby's personality, and their developing relationship. Two, an observation of the baby by the professional and the parents, a discussion of what they both saw, and taking a video of the parents interacting with the baby. And three, reviewing the video made at session two, along with professional feedback on good examples of parent-child interaction. The researchers called this video intervention video interaction guidance and stressed that its purpose was to look at the great things that the parents did when interacting with their child and to promote these positive interactions. The entire intervention only took about three hours total. While maternal sensitivity during play was similar between groups at nine months corrected age, babies whose mothers had received the PIPA intervention had significantly fewer communication problems at 12 months corrected age as measured by the ASQSE. A quick note, this intervention was provided by a child psychiatrist, but we don't see any reason why an SLP couldn't provide the same service. In fact, it feels pretty similar to the parent training we already do in early intervention, just a bit earlier. Thanks for listening to this review. If you're interested in more, come visit us at www.theinformedslp.com. Tell us how you put the research into practice or find us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at The Informed SLP. Welcome back to Speak Science, episode number 148. I'm Matt Hot, joined by Michelle Wintering. Hello again. Mike McLeod. What's up? and you in your car. Hello. Hope you are doing well. So uh, we want to hear from you, speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com, 614-681-1798, or hashtag SSPod, or the Discord. But last week, I gave everyone a little bit of homework, because in the ASHA leader, Bridget Murray Law, back on September 4th, wrote an article called, Can You Counter Your Own Brain-Based Biases, uh, or Biases, and I thought this would be a very interesting topic because they talk about the number one way to confront your bias is, what do you think? To know it? To yeah. To, yeah, to recognize it, right? To acknowledge it. Yeah. Um, so I thought it would be very interesting if we all take a couple different bias tests. Um, I took a bias test on young and old the presidents and race. Michelle, what did you take? I did disability and black versus white. People. Okay. And then Mike? I did the presidents. Okay. 
So we'll start off with kind of a lighthearted one. The president, Mike, how did you come out in your biasness? It showed that I had no bias, <laughs> which was pretty sweet. I thought I was going to have serious bias based on the test, but I guess I'm the perfect person. There you go, Mike. Great job. <laughs> uh, I had a slight bias of Joe Biden over Bill Clinton. Okay. <laughs> and then I need more, to take this one. I need yeah, to take that it's one. it's uh it's different. And then on the more serious side, on the young versus old bias. I came out, um, what did it say? I was slightly more biased for, what is it? Sorry. I have a slight automatic preference for old versus young. And then Michelle, what was your disability one? Um, a slight preference for disability really versus yeah able which i'm wondering if that's partially just because of the field we work in that's fair and having I, you know it's just fascinating because it's I, I don't know it makes you think and it makes you kind of reflect on how that could change um and i've have you guys taken these before uh not not like no i don't think i have Okay, because I'm, I mean, it was at least five years ago, the last time I remember taking one, and maybe even eight or 10 years ago, because this has been around for a long time. I know I was in school, either college or grad school, um, when I last took it, and it looks like they've really expanded on this research. So if I know Matt's going to link to this for everybody mm -hmm. in the show notes, but um, it's, it's neat because there's so many different tests on here now. And we always talk about knowledge being key and being able to recognize a little bit of your own bias means that we can counteract it when appropriate, you know, implicit.harvard.edu. Yeah. So there's tons. I mean, there's the president one we talked about, there's weight. There's one I want to take called of an gender science and it's revealed yeah. a relative link between liberal arts and females and science type fields and males. Um, the transgender one. So a lot of these were not on there when I last took this. So uh, thinking of bias tests and Mike, you're the executive functioning guy. So I'd love to hear your opinion here in a moment on this, but like, so I took the race test, the racial bias test twice. I took it once last week when I was at work because I actually was told about this through a district um, education, like a special education meeting. And mm -hmm. at the time I came out slight automatic preference for African-American compared to European-American. And then when I retook it tonight, I came out moderate preference for European-Americans over African-Americans. Mm. So what causes, and then uh, Michelle, if you want to share yours, go yeah. if you feel comfortable. Oh, for the um, the the racial black black versus white, it showed no hey. um, preference between the two. But then I forgot the other one I took was the gender career one. Oh yeah, slight preference for um, male with career uh, versus female with career, which it's again it's just fascinating because it makes you think. <laughs> So, Mike, I, I pitched this question to you. When we talk about biasness and, and executive functioning, my, 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 I say my brain automatically goes to executive functioning. What is the difference when we talk about conscious versus unconscious EF? 
there is there. Yes, there is. So, so there's, you know, there's general habit where, you know, you're doing things without thinking. And then there's more conscious where you really have to plan things out before doing it. Uh, and this tends to be, you know, with executive functioning, uh, you know, one way to think about it is really self-motivation and the preferred slash non-preferred. Uh, so kids with ADHD or executive functioning delays are going to have extreme difficulty towards non-preferred tasks. So things that are not instantly gratifying to them, which is most often the phone, the screen, the video games, things like that. Uh, so, you know, it, it, there's, it's pretty uh, subconscious for them to go to the phone, go to their video game and do those things that give them that, that instant gratification. If it's go clean your room, go start your homework, go do that chore, uh, it's going to take a lot of conscious effort for them to self-motivate more, uh, you know, less organically and more, uh, you know, uh, more of them kind of coercing themselves, really. So you're telling me that it's going to take more effort for me to pay attention to young kids than it is old kids? Correct. Okay. But in, in all seriousness, though, like, I, I enjoy kind of taking these things because I like to know where my brain is and it, in your, it's in your head, <laughs> but you know, addressing God, Mike dad jokes already, dude. Um, addressing bias, you know, when we look at, for example, um, females with autism and we go, Oh, that's how a, a female student should act in the classroom. We're going to be less likely to, look for signs or symptoms of autism in a, in a, in a female. Uh, we talk about the over general, the, uh, the over identification of students of color or BIPOC compared to their white peers in special education. I think this all comes back down to what, you know, maybe some of that subconscious bias that Mike was talking about. Yeah. So, you know, is that, is like that example you gave of females with autism, is that bias or is it just that the vast majority of their symptoms are internalized? Uh, and, you know, that's, and we, we see a lot of this today with anxiety. Is it anxiety or is it something else? Is it mental illness? Is it something else? Is it social skills or is it executive functioning? All these internal disorders that uh, are sort of skyrocketing now, uh, right, right alongside the rise of screens and this instant gratification world we're living in and increased pressures from uh, social and academics. Uh, it's, it's, it's not like, oh, this person has uh, Parkinson's because they shake. This person has, uh, right. you know, fragile X because they have this, the external symptoms. When you have these internal disorders, there's no matter how strong your diagnostics are, there's always going to be some gray area. Yeah, that's a good point. So my question then is, is how do you guys, I mean, evidently you all both came out just perfectly fine. Peachy keen, no bias one way or the other. Yeah, no, but there is <laughs> it depends on what test you're talking about. <laughs> I know, I know. But yeah. how do we work as clinicians to ensure that our bias is not, you know, I know the first step is to confront it or acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. But well, and also I I mean I would just say too, I I took this test what eight years ago mm -hmm. and I know I had a bias. 
when I took it then. Cause I remember, or longer than that, it would have been in college. And I remember being like, there's a disclaimer on these tests when you take them, where it says you might not like your result or agree right. with your result. <laughs> right. And I remember when I first took one of these and it was a racial one back in college, I was like, Whoa, like it kind of hit me in the gut a little bit. Right. Of what it's saying. My implicit bias is bias mm -hmm. is. And but, but things change, your experiences change, your life changes, the people you're around changes, and that can impact this too. So positive or negative, but you know, the same test I took before, just like Matt took them closer together, but almost a decade apart is, is a much different result for me. So. So if you've never taken this test, basically what they do is they, they train you by having you click two different buttons and uh, sorting the pictures into two different groups. And then they have you sort words into two different groups, good or bad or tall and short, whatever you want to, whatever they're, they're sorting. Right. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't know if you wanted confirmation. No, until like, I saw that was, face. that was more of a confirmation. <laughs> Needed a confirmation on that one. Yeah, and so then, all the tests have that. <laughs> yes. And then what they'll do is they will randomly use those words and randomly use those pictures. Uh, and then what they say is people are quicker to respond when items that are more closely related to their mind share the same button. So for example, uh, when I first, or the, the most recent version of this, it says an implicit presence, uh, preference for uh, European-American relative to African-American means that you are faster to sort words when European-Americans and good share a button than when African-American and good share a button. Interesting, yeah. I, I will also say, though, that the way they did it on the keyboard was a little wonky, but maybe that's just that's just me trying to justify the stupid test results. Yeah, but, and if you do it on your phone, you have to like just hold your thumb. Yes, <laughs> you got to click on each side of the screen. Side of it. But I think it's interesting. I I find myself that having worked in a predominantly AA school, when I moved to an all like a majority white school, I a, was a meaning African, African American. American. Okay. Um, I found myself Not actually. <laughs> I found myself actually. Um, I wouldn't say trying to silence white students, but I was trying to project maybe too much of my students of color. And I think it was just because I had spent four years where students of color were 99% of the student body. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. so that's good your, or bad, I don't know. How experiences you have shape your bias and how that can change. It's really interesting. It's, it's just, it's such a, it's, it's so hard to really pinpoint and it's impossible to not have bias. Mm -hmm. Well, we were, my wife and I were watching Grey's Anatomy a couple weeks ago and they talked about um, some tests for a donor had a biasness on pain rating scales for African-American patients versus white patients, which made the the fictional patient uneligible for a uh transplant because of a bias Be bias in the testing and and you know when we look at ourselves, mm. when we look at self being the clinical evaluation um yeah. or the castle or any of those other tests a lot of times they're all made with some version of an implicit bias that i bet dollars to donuts most of us using them never even think to look at the implicit bias of the test. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially because 
we also are often limited in what standardized test is available or we need a standardized test for this or for that or to meet some qualification mm -hmm. for a school or for a hospital or for insurance. And also, I mean, I'll, I'll mention the elephant in the room right now. All three of us uh, are about the same shade of Caucasian. I don't think that's an elephant in, in the room. In the, in the crayon box. And, and you know what I'm saying, though, is like, so it's a lot harder or easier for us to, to miss the, the implicit bias because the bias kind of shades towards what we're doing or who, or not what we're doing, but our backgrounds a little bit. I think I'm the whitest. Pig, oh. Pigment, pigment wise. Yes. On yes, a, Mike. On a different note, have you all seen the Crayola crayon sets that are colors of the I world now? I saw that. They're so much fun, like fun looking because now they're like, you have multiple shades of yeah, my like son was so excited. Actual that he tone. Had one that's actually he was holding him up to me and my husband to see what color uh, was the closest to each of our skin. But colors. see, but that's like another bias. Like mm -hmm. if you don't know, if you don't recognize that there's not the right shading of skin color. The other day, I was going through someone's device and. Um, Oh, the, you mean like you don't notice that it's yeah, yeah, you don't notice that, that like that yeah, you're just like, oh yeah, here's like there's the brown skin color and there's the peach skin color. You don't really mm -hmm. notice the the difference in shades if you're you know, if you're not open to that. But I was looking at someone's device and all the little images did not match um the person using the device. It matched all of the staff around the, the student or around the person with the device, but not not the person. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it happens a lot. See, now that I'm saying this out loud, I'm realizing where there's a lot of bias that we can make subtle changes to without even having to like tear down the system. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's true. I also listened to a musical on the way home today, so I'm ready to fight the world. So a musical makes you want to fight the world. I do, dude. I get, I get like pumped up to do that. Which musical? Uh, Defying Gravity. Oh, I love that. Yeah, see? <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, and, uh, I'll, I'll link it in the show notes, but it was pretty cool. Uh, but legit, I mean, I kind of feel like now I want to go through all my therapy materials and relook at anything I'm doing biasness-wise. Mm -hmm. yep. so. so I've been, um, I, I'll say this because we, uh, we had Smiles for Speech. I want to have her back, Sandy, the founder of, of Smiles for Speech. Yes. Um, on, and I've been doing a little volunteering with them. And Ooh. you uh, just go through a very basic, you know, training before doing that. But one thing that they, her training pointed out to be sure we're aware of, right? Because if you're helping provide any kind of teletherapy or support, or in person or not to people in other countries, especially African countries, that you have to be aware of what, you know, what toys and photo prompts and things that I would automatically use with kids in the States. And you can't use or would make no sense or would not have a significant meaning to someone in another country. And I've found right? that having moved around to different states and different regions of the U.S., doing speech therapy that I kind of have had to resort through and it's trial and error or learning from other therapists, coworkers who are from that region, but like figuring out this is not the best material to use, or I need to alter this, um, 
you know, packet of flashcards I have, or I need to get this other item because this is such a, a motivator or something that's important culturally to these, these families. Think about the every time on Facebook where it blows up about like somebody finding one of the goofy articulation cards that are so culturally insensitive now. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Like I was going through my, my one of my therapy decks and it was like something I've inherited over the years. So it was from like the seventies and it oh, was so there's, there's, and like a picture card displayed like native Americans, like sitting around a campfire and every single one of them had either a pack of cigarettes or a bottle of alcohol in their mm -hmm. hand. And I was like, oh boy. Go rewatch Peter Pan and see. Oh yeah, right. So, I mean, I get it though. I mean, I, I don't even know how I would start to build a therapy kit to work with students in another country that I don't even know culture. You know I mean? At least I can BS my way through stuff in Southwestern Ohio, but yeah. Well, we want to hear from you. Head over to our website, speech science podcasts at speech, uh, speech science podcast.com and email us speech science podcast at gmail.com 614-681-1798. Before we wrap this up, let's check in with everybody. What is the big thing that you're looking forward to this week? I'm looking forward to my book release. Whoop, whoop. I'm going to do another shameless plug. The link down below free download November 2nd. Um, I have a visitor coming. My brother-in-law is coming to visit for the nice. weekend. And I'm really looking forward to my son in his earth costume. Yay. Now is your brother-in-law, brother-in-law? Yes, brother-in-law. Is he a firefighter? Um, no, that ah. my brother is the firefighter. This is my husband's brother. We had the firefighters come tonight to the Boy Scouts, Cub Scout. Nice. So I just wanted to transition. Uh, my son that. learned to stop, drop, and roll because it's Fire Prevention Month, and at his preschool, and they had a fire truck visit. Um, <laughs> Michelle, this is a story you can tell your firefighter family. One of and, and chalk this up into the kids ask the weirdest questions. One of the kids at the Cub Scout meeting asked what the firefighters would do if they came late to a fire and found a house full of dead bodies. <laughs> and the guy was just like, the, sometimes that happens. And um, we just try to get there before that happens. What's your question over there, kid? <laughs> <laughs> Mike, what question would you ask a firefighter? No, what are you looking forward to this week? <laughs> Ah, uh, that's a good question. I'm looking forward. What are you forward. looking forward to? I have a parent in a Zoom parent training tomorrow. Ooh, uh, which which with, with a nice with a really fun group. So I, I think that'll be uh, I think it'll be a lot of fun. Awesome. All right, guys. I want you at home to check out our Discord, discord.speechsciencepodcast.com. Also merchandise.speechsciencepodcast.com and email speechsciencepodcast at gmail.com. And if you're interested in a signed copy of the book, you can contact me. Anyway, Michelle, I'm going to hawk this book until it pays for a cup of coffee. That's what I'm going to do. Hey, I'm good with that. <laughs> I'm so excited about it. Hey, man, it's a good book. I'm excited to read the other parts in the chapter. Hope Speaks is in there as well, Michelle. Yes. Gosh, I got all these people I want to get back on the podcast. See, we want you on the podcast. Give us your email or uh, give us your voicemail, 614-681-1798. Oh, but for real, tell us what you're doing that's cool in the speech world. We want to yes. give you a shout out. 
or the due process we want to yell at something too so we want that back in on the show as well our opening music, all of a sudden music, our opening music is Please Listen Carefully by Jazar, licensed under an attribution and share alike. Bump Music, County Fair Rock, copyrighted John Deku. Find his music over at soundcloud.com slash dirtdogmusic. The informed SLP was the At The Count by Broke For Free, licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license. Also check out uh, Meredith Herald's uh, The Informed SLP, link down below. And our closing music is Slow Burn by Kevin McLeod, licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license. In the immortal words of Janice Wright, always be a willow, never be an oak. They crack under the storm, the willow will bend, but return to form. For fellow willows, Michelle and Mike, I am Matt. Until next week, so long, everybody. Bye. Bye. Science is edited and produced by MWH Production. Please follow Speech Science on Twitter at Speech Science PC and like our page on Facebook. And rate and subscribe to our podcast anywhere you get your podcasts.